We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on? Hope you're having a good one. This is Richie, and I'm here for another episode as we are approaching the break for All-Star Weekend in Utah. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and look into buzzbeat.substack.com, which is our Substack publication, but it's mainly for a private feed in which you guys get ad-free and early access to episodes for just $35 a year. On today's episode, I'm going to look into the two games following the trade deadline when the Hornets were playing without Plumley and Jalen McDaniels. If you did not get a chance to listen to the most recent episode prior, Spencer, Lee, and Brian talked about the trade deadline and their thoughts on both of those trades. My thoughts are very similar, so I'm not going to rehash what they what they said, but Give it a listen. And so with these two games that have followed the trade deadline, it's going to be a period of time where it's going to allow some of the younger players to get more court time, and the evaluation moving forward for the Hornets is going to be on them. I'm not going to be talking too much about the results. The Hornets did lose the Celtics on Friday, and they lost to the Nuggets on Saturday night. And they played a consistent 48 minutes between those two games if you combined the second half of the Boston game and the first half of the Nuggets game on Saturday. In those four quarters, if my math is correct, they outscored the opponents, both opponents, 123-113. But that's, that's kind of beside the point. And in this point in the season, Rozier had a solid game in Boston, making some tough shots off movement. Hayward had a really good game versus the Nuggets, where it seemed like he had everything working, especially in that first half. He had the rim game, the mid-range game. I believe he had a catch-and-shoot three. But I'm not going to spend too much time on the veterans and spend more time on some of the younger players. And I want to highlight four in particular. Obviously, P.J. Washington and LaMelo Ball are younger players that are part or should be a part of the future of this team. 
I'm going to focus on JT Thor, Mark Williams, Bryce McGowan's, and Nick Richards and see how they're playing now. Now that they're inevitably going to be getting more minutes. Kai Jones would also be a part of this bunch, but he was he was brought up for the Charlotte game against the Nuggets. He was in the Spectrum Center, but he was sitting on the sideline, and if you were watching the game, he wasn't dressed. He actually had a boot on his ankle. So that is a new development to the injury list. I think seeing him play in Charlotte is going to be something that I'm looking forward to in the coming months. So let's start with JT Thor, and I'm going to focus on just the last two games specifically in my evaluation of that. Now, this is not going to be all that different than my evaluation of JT Thor in general, but focusing on the last two games, he's played in 26 minutes, two of three from two-point field goal range, 0 of one from three-point range. All his points were assisted on, which isn't surprising because he's a player that probably plays off the advantage of others. He's not going to break it down, um, iso a player, and get to the rim that way. Had zero assists, three rebounds. He did have two turnovers in the category of bad passes. He was 0 of 2 from the free throw line. And just something that I'm noticing, he just can't get all the way to the rim, particularly because of his strength. So JT Thor in these past two games... Still very inconsistent in his play. And when he's out there on the court, he just doesn't instill a lot of confidence as you're watching him. It's almost as if he's thinking too hard about what to do. It's it's like a slow process, more so on the offensive end. He'll have plays where he goes out there and he does redeem himself. And it gives you just a tad a little bit of faith that he can turn it around. He had this nice drive and finish over Tatum, but it wasn't fully at the rim, as I mentioned before. Defensively, he can slide and use his length to compensate for some of that lack of strength. So even if he does get beaten and pushed off, he's able to recover because of his length. He had a block on Brogdon on Friday, which actually followed his own turnover, so it makes up for that mistake with a takeaway of his own. But he can also get pushed around a bit too. There's a couple of possessions where you see him getting pushed around on free throw attempts. And there was one, particularly I think it was in the Boston game, and luckily the Hornets still were able to snag the rebound, so most people probably didn't catch it. But he got pushed off the block, and it it certainly... That rebound certainly didn't come because of his box-out skills. He's still a work in progress. His shot is still far from where it needs to be. He completely airballed his only three-point attempt against the Celtics from the corner, the shortest three-point shot that you can have. So that three-point shot is still a far ways away from being something that is going to be useful for him. He's young, which is totally understandable, and we have to be patient with him. But like I've mentioned before, until he gets a little bit more of uh, weight and strength on him, I can't see him reaching his full potential. That, to me, is more important than the lack of shooting because I think it will help him in 
other areas that you're just not seeing. So the driving, the rebounding, the boxing out. Uh, defensively, if he cannot get pushed around so much, that's going to help him. I think all those things will be benefited from adding a few more pounds on him and, and becoming stronger. And I think the shot would obviously be useful uh, if he can get that squared away. But the strength, to me, I think is going to be a swing skill or attribute for him uh, to make him a little bit more playable off the bench. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's switch it over to Mark Williams. In the past two games, he's played 52 minutes, 7 of 12 from the field, six of those at the rim, six of those in the short mid-range, which is anywhere from four to 14 feet, probably closer to the four feet than it is the 14 feet. Eight points that he scored have been assisted. Six points have been unassisted. He himself had two assists. He had a nice pass to uh, LaMelo for a dunk. He's had 17 rebounds. That's the second most behind LaMelo Ball in these two games played. Five of those have come on the offensive end. Zero turnovers, which is a great sign. So he's not bobbling the ball out of bounds or making bad passes. And one thing that he does well uh, is get to the free throw line, six free throw attempts. He only made three. I think he missed back-to-back free throws against the Nuggets, hoping that he kind of gets close. I mean, he's shown that he can be a better free throw shooter than 50%. But just over the past two games, he's been 50% from the charity stripe. He clearly had his first two career starts, first the Celtics and the Nuggets. I personally love the fact that he's not only getting more playing time without Plumlee, but he's being thrown into the fire, going up against Rob Williams and Jokic. Two very different players, but these starting centers that he's going to see on a consistent basis moving forward as a rookie... I love it. I want to see how he handles it. I want to see if he can fight through his mistakes and not let it affect him on the opposite end. 
So even if we that means we see some miscues, I think being thrown into the fire against some of these better players and playing against them for longer stretches is going to show a lot. And and as a rookie, you're expecting him to make mistakes against some of these guys just because of the experience. But you're also going to see some positives just by getting out there and playing. I'm going to start with the stuff that he didn't do so well with in these past two games. I think he's obviously going to be a player that gets most of his work done in the paint, but his handle is still shaky on the block. There were a couple times when he was pushed around on the block. I specifically remember two to three times in Boston, and he loses his momentum of trying to grab the ball off the block, off the bounce, and positioning, and he can't quite get that clean handle and look. He's he's a much better player when he can make one quick move and go up. He's not a player that is going to shake you down low. Um, he's, he's definitely not Jokic down there on, on the block, but it's going to require him to tighten up his handle a little bit and not allow the defender to just push him a little bit and that just completely loses any kind of momentum that he had down on the block because once when he can get in just a slight advantage down there his length and his ability to get up off the floor is going to take over there was one time when he tried to back down Blake Griffin and a Blake Griffin at this point in his career is not a guy that you would think that could do this and he gets pushed to the baseline uh, because he's fumbling the ball he doesn't have that center of gravity and he misses this like fading shot out to the baseline which was a tough shot to begin with, but if you can do a better job of making a quick move and not allowing, you know, your opponent to push you as you're you're backing them down. So he he kind of was off on the wrong foot to begin with there. There was also one play uh that I didn't quite like against Boston where he's sliding over to help on a Tatum drive and he doesn't fully get over to the point to where he can contest you know, properly, if he can just get over a little bit quicker, he's going to make a bigger impact on those shot contests. And in the process of this play, because he's basically in no man's land, he's not all the way over to fully make Tatum readjust his shot. Tatum blows by his man, but also Mark Williams is just a second too late. Blake Griffin, his own man, is able to get that put back dunk. So if if you're going to commit and be a help side blocker, you better make sure you get all the way there. Because if he gets all the way there, I think the shot from Tatum is not as clean. And even if he's leaving his man Blake Griffin, I I think maybe it doesn't bounce as fortunately to Blake Griffin's hands. So he kind of was a no man's land on that play. Against the Nuggets, I think he did a better job on Jokic than Nick Richards, but he still got into foul trouble early and Jokic loved to use that spin move on both Williams and Richards and it's already hard to play defense on a player like Jokic on a back-to-back MVP winner but when you have two fouls in the first half three fouls in the second half or whatever it was and you're trying to almost avoid contact picking up your third or fourth foul it's basically impossible to guard that guy so I think Jokic handled both of those players very well. I think Williams did a better job, but still getting into foul trouble 
against a player like that is going to put you at a disadvantage when you're trying to defend without fouling. Well, let's get to the good stuff because it was definitely there in his past couple of games. His rim defense, that deterrence is going to be there for years to come. He blocked Rob Williams early in the game on Friday night, although I think maybe some Boston fans thought it was very close to a goaltend. He definitely blocked it before it hit the glass, but it was a question of whether or not it was still on its way up. He had a couple blocks on Jokic on Saturday, and Jokic is a player that doesn't get his shot blocked all that much because he's able to maneuver and, and shimmy around defenders and get clean looks. It's not often that he can't get off a shot without it being blocked. So that's a huge positive for Mark that he was able to do that. And I think one of those blocks, he was able to recover on a save where he was tight roping the, the baseline. And I think when you send shots into the fifth row out of bounds, it comes across intimidating and it might maybe scare a driver on the next possession or so. But keeping possession is just such a better outcome, even if it doesn't look as cool. So getting that block and recovering it and getting it in the hands of LaMelo or anyone that's trying to get up the court, that's just always the better outcome, even if it's not on a highlight reel. And I've been repeating this on Twitter and on the podcast plenty with Mark Williams, but there was yet another example or two of Mark Williams and his mobility late in the shot clock or whenever in the shot clock when he gets switched on to a non-big, non-center out on the perimeter. He switched on to Tatum late in the game on Friday. The Celtics know that Tatum has the ball at this point. He's going to get an ISO possession. They start to clear out. Williams stays low, keeps up with a couple of moves from Tatum, never really fully loses ground. There's a couple of split seconds where Tatum makes a crossover and creates some space, but he's not able to turn that corner and gain any real kind of advantage. And we've seen this a lot with Mark Williams, that he can keep up a little bit more on the perimeter than I anticipated coming out of Duke. And so that that specific play with Tatum, it ends with a pass and a weak side block from PJ. So normally speaking, as a as a bigger player, sometimes a player that doesn't look as agile would think that it would end with either a foul or Tatum getting all the way to the hoop. And coming out of Duke, we talked about this in the pre-draft process, how, you know, with Clifford coming in as the coach, you would expect maybe potentially for the defensive coverages with the pick and roll to be more traditional with the drop big. And we theorize that having Mark Williams being the pick over <laughs> Duran, maybe that's why the stylistic play style with Mark Williams being that drop big and not being as aggressive in pick and roll coverages. And I'm not saying that Mark Williams is going to do this on a consistent basis, but because he has shown some promise out there on the perimeter. I think you can be more versatile in the way that you defend pick and rolls. I think you can be a little bit more comfortable in the way that he goes out there. And if he gets switched on to a forward or a wing late in the shot clock, that he's not going to give up some kind of crazy advantage out there. I also think he's been very good at loose balls, like whether that's on the offensive board 
or some kind of ball that's loose around the paint. He's so good at grabbing that ball and knowing exactly what to do. He goes straight up with it. He sticks with the play all the way through. There was this one play in the Boston game where he caught a pass at the top of the key in transition. I think the pass was coming from Hayward. And he probably catches it a little bit too far from the basket for my liking. And so maybe Hayward probably realized that the angle was probably best to make the pass there. So this is kind of a a catch that he's making that's kind of pushing his boundaries a little bit with his comfort level. And he makes like two big strides after catching the basketball, after catching the basketball. And he does it without traveling. He does it without losing the ball. Now he does get blocked, but again, he grabs that loose ball, goes up right away and draws the foul. So I think that's that's just something minor that I think that he does a good job with and just sticking with the play. And if there's a 50-50 ball on the floor, he's going to grab it. And if he's under the basket, he's going to go up with it immediately. And just kind of looking around Hornets, the Hornets community, I've heard mixed reviews about his rebounding, but I actually think he's doing a good job on the boards. Like I mentioned before, he's got 17 rebounds in the last two games. So I, I can't wait to see more of him moving forward in these games while they're still you know, resulting in losses. It's awesome to see these younger players get some play time and, and see what they got. Mark Williams is probably the biggest player outside of LaMelo and PJ of the, of the players that you want to see more minutes, the ones that have not gotten consistent minutes to start the season. Mark Williams is the spotlight guy that, that I am totally focused on moving forward. And now he's going to be learning through experience and playing against players like Jokic and others. And he needs to know what he has to work on moving forward by playing some of these big-time players and big-time centers. So I think these learning experiences are great for Mark Williams. Um, even if, like I said, there's going to be some miscues along the way, it's much better to see him out there in a season like this on the court getting consistent minutes than just playing spot minutes here and there. The second round pick, Bryce McGowan's, is going to be next here. In the past two games, 33 minutes, 5 of 6 on two-point shots, 0 of 2 on three-point shots. Eight of his 11 points have been assisted from the field. But that that's just mainly because he's just quick with his decisions. So if he catches a ball out on the wing, he's quick enough to get to where he wants to go. And even though it feels like an unassisted basket, because he's so quick with it, the player that did pass in the ball will get the assist. He himself had two assists, six rebounds, and just a little nugget here, two of those six rebounds have come off free throw misses, which is interesting. He did have four turnovers, which is is not a great sign. Two of those have been of the dead ball variety, which makes it a little bit better. And then he's had two free throw attempts, but those were not two free throw attempts on one foul. He has drawn a couple fouls there and both of those were and ones I think his shooting foul rate has been pretty good um to for his rookie season I think his size and his strength is still a little bit of an issue almost like JT and he could be targeted on switches or in the post or just having a bigger wing driving to the basket he's he's often pushed off that spot I've noticed that he's giving a little bit more effort off the ball on defense and making the most of his time on the court, being active and trying to navigate screens. I like his energy there. 
even if he gets caught on screens, you know, once or twice a game, still still noteworthy. I think the most impressive thing with McGowan's, and we've seen this the minute he started playing in summer league, is his tendency, his knack for trying to get to the rim. He's such a decisive player in terms of wanting to get downhill. And the thing you see with him when it comes to his decisiveness, he's not dribbling four times at the three-point arc before making up his mind. He already knows, like, if I have an advantage, I'm going to take it. If not, I'm going to make the pass. He's going to get to the paint off of a quick move. It's not going to be off some kind of, like, ISO dribble. He had this nice Euro step basket around Robert Williams on Friday, drew the foul for the end one. And again, that's that's just a byproduct of his aggressiveness. He gets to the line at a very good rate. And it's just so obvious when he enters the game, the immediate rim pressure that you that you get from him. That type of stuff, when he steps on the court, it's just visibly obvious. And one other thing that I've mentioned before with Bryce is his ability to rebound the ball. He doesn't care what type of bodies are around him. He goes up and he high points the basketball. If he is the closest to the basketball, if he gets good position, because he's not passive, he gets off the floor first, and he's able to rebound the ball, even if there are players that are taller than him, bigger than him, and they're incoming from maybe a couple feet away. So because he's not the biggest guy, if he's near the basketball, the closest to the basketball, he at least is aggressive in terms of getting up off the rim. And if an incoming player has to come into his space, he's probably going to draw the foul. So to me, that's a good connection with the two things that I just mentioned, that I just highlighted there. His rebounding and his offensive game are both so reliant on his assertive behavior. And I think that's what separates him from Book Knight. There is a fi- there's definitely a fine line between being over-aggressive and careless and chucking up the ball. And then there's a line that that's crossed over to where it's more of an assertive play. And that's what McGowan's has. He just looks more sure of himself. So I think if his three-point shot comes online, he's going to be a more useful player off the bench for this Hornets team. All right, lastly, let's get to Nick Richards. Nick Richards played in 44 minutes against the Nuggets and the Celtics. He's 6 of 9 from the field. 10 of 16 points have been assisted. The other two baskets that were unassisted were off putbacks. He himself had one assist. 16 rebounds, five of those on the offensive end. He did have three turnovers in those two games, all of the dead ball variety, though. Four of six from the free throw line. And he actually did attempt a a baseline mid-range shot against the Nuggets that he did make, which was a little bit of a surprise. So he he added a four here, a little less noteworthy. He's still getting the putbacks, still getting impactful stats on the glass. He even had a sky hook over DeAndre Jordan, who then blocked him later in the game. But he definitely looked a little bit more out of sorts in these past two games. More so against the Nuggets and Jokic, which is to be expected. Like, But Jokic made Richards look like a, a rookie out there, and he does that to a lot of players. I think with Jokic, I think what really hurt 
the Hornets in that second half is when they started using Jokic as point Jokic. When he started taking the ball up the court and you're having Richards having to backpedal from the three-point line and Jokic can just easily get into his spots on the on the block and then all these cutters that come off of him, he can make plays off of that. But he still made Richards look silly in the post. And I think Denver made a concerted effort to go at Richards. They saw that he was struggling to defend him in the post. It felt like the spins got him every single time. He was also beaten by Jokic when Richards got switched on to another player. I can't I can't remember who, but immediately was back cut and Jokic makes this pass behind Richard's head and completely lost trying to defend a cutter, which is just not something that's in his his arsenal. So you would want him to stay on Jokic for the purposes of just guarding the big the whole time and instead of trying to follow a cutter. And in that possession, the Nuggets just score easily. It felt like they, they scored easily a lot. It felt like those negatives and those miscues came in stretches against Richards. And I think probably my overall view from him in these past two games are a little bit lower than maybe the numbers suggest because it just felt like those those waves of negatives just came on strong. And he's a free agent this offseason. So I, I think, I think I mean, he obviously has played well to start the season, but these final months, the final however many games we've got going on here are going to be big for him in terms of how he's viewed, you know, not by me, but among the front office. I know that they they really enjoyed him and his improvement over the offseason, and Clifford spoke highly of him. But with Mark Williams, the starter, you know, now moving forward, he's going to have to come in off the bench and, and make the most of his time. And games like Denver is, is not going to put a a good taste in the mouth of many people that are evaluating him. And obviously Jokic is just one of a kind in terms of how you're going to defend him. So he's going to have nights like that against players that are of that caliber. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap here. I'm going to rank these players in just the, you know, just the two game sample following the trade deadline. If I were to rank them, I would have it Mark Williams, one Bryce McGowan's two Nick Richards, number three, and four, JT Thor, in terms of just their overall impact in these past couple of games. Still plenty of basketball left, and we should be getting a real good look at these guys moving forward. And Kai Jones will be thrown into the mix, too. I wish I could talk about him, but because he was injured in a boot and his status is a little bit up in the air, uh, he has not played in Charlotte since Mason Plumley has been traded. As far as the rest of the week goes, we will likely be taking the All-Star break off. The Hornets have two more games, Monday and Wednesday, so I'm not sure if we'll get another episode out. But be on the lookout next Monday, President's Day, where pretty confident that I'm going to be bringing on someone to talk about the NBA draft and some of the prospects that are higher up on the list as the Hornets are destined for a top four pick. Hope you guys have a good one. We'll see you guys next time. I'm Richie. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.